Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice, and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Maleksadeh. McDonald's has been recognized around the world for its commitment to diversity and inclusion. The company earned a perfect score in the Human Rights Campaign's Corporate Equality Index and was ranked one of the top 50 places for minorities to work by Fortune magazine. This is thanks to the leadership of Patricia Harris, McDonald's former Global Chief Diversity Officer. Pat is a Roosevelt alumna and chair of the Roosevelt Board of Trustees. After 41 years at McDonald's, Pat returned to shape Roosevelt's future and mentored the next generation of students. Now, Pat joins me on the podcast to talk about her career journey, her work with the Board of Trustees, and mentoring Roosevelt students. She also offers her perspective on how the university can continue its legacy of diversity and inclusion. Enjoy the conversation. Sitting here with Pat Harris, Chair of the Board of Trustees of Roosevelt University. Pat, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have a conversation, and we're going to learn lots of secrets about you and your amazing life. Well, I can't give away the secret sauce. It sounds like you've been working for McDonald's (laughs) and the secret sauce already. Um, but, you know, let's start from the beginning of when you first came to Chicago and what attracted to Roosevelt University. And then we trace your career and come back. How's that? Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, well, one of the things, when I first moved to Chicago, uh, a friend who had also attended and graduated from Roosevelt uh, she and I were talking about, you know, I said, I have to finish my degree. I am determined to get my uh, college degree because I w- was going to school in New York at Queens College. And when we transferred here, um, when I moved here, she said, you got to go to Roosevelt. And I'm like, why Roosevelt? She said, because they help you more than probably any other school because you have some hours and you have a lot of work experience, and she found that when she did that, that you know the professors were extremely helpful, and the advisors were helpful to her in helping her complete her degree. So I said, "Sounds like a winner." So I registered here, okay. and uh, the rest is history. No, tell us about that history. <laughs> How long did it take you to finish? <laughs> Your degree? Oh my God! It was like seven, seven years or Is something that right? like that. Okay. Yeah, persistence. I was, yeah, I was persistent. Uh, I um, was working in Oak Brook. I uh, lived at McDonald's headquarters. At, at McDonald's headquarters in Oak Brook, and I um, lived in Oak Park, and and then I would come downtown to Roosevelt. Oh, wow. So it all kind of worked out, and and I did that part time. 
and I told, you know, McDonald's obviously paid for my education, and, and they were very supportive of me uh, getting this degree, and and so it was e it was really kind of easy for me, because I had such great support uh, from my bosses at McDonald's. But meanwhile, you had a young son as well with you. Yes, I while did. While you were doing all of this, I right? did. I would bring, and I had classes on Saturdays uh -huh. then, and so I would bring my son downtown, and we'd sit out in the park for a little bit. Then I'd come <laughs> back over here, and I would bring him with me sometimes. You know, not in the evenings, but certainly on Saturdays. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, as you were doing this, your career at McDonald's was taking off. So yes. walk us through that. Yeah. So so I started working at McDonald's, and um, this ex headhunter, excuse me, headhunter, mm -hmm. that's what we called them back in the day, <laughs> uh, said, hey, they have a job at McDonald's. And, and I, like so many other McDonald's employees, says, I do not want to flip hamburgers. Right. And I'm not going to flip hamburgers. He goes, no, 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 it's in the corporate legal department, and you can be an administrative assistant to the head of uh, the corporate legal department. So I said, yeah, okay, then I'll go talk to the guy. And I did, and he hired me on the spot in the corporate legal department. I spent like five months there, and then um, they came, they approached me and said, hey, they want you to work for the president of the company. We want you to interview for this job with the president. And I'm like, well, who is the president? Uh -huh. I, I, I really wasn't that into it. And, and they interviewed me uh, to work for the president of the company. I worked for him. Who for, was? His name at the time was Ed Schmidt. Yeah. Okay. And unfortunately, he recently passed. Mm -hmm. But Ed Schmidt hired me. And then um, on my first anniversary with McDonald's, I was promoted to a position in human resources. It was called personnel back then. Right. And I was a compensation analyst. And that really gave me a great boost uh, professionally to do kind of what I wanted to do mm -hmm. because I was promoted to several positions in HR, eventually okay. becoming an HR generalist and had several departments that I was um, responsible for as an HR generalist. And then after that, someone approached me, uh, a guy by the name of Mel Hobson, who is also a Roosevelt grad. Okay. And yeah. he came to me and said, hey, I want you to work for me in affirmative action. And I said, work for you in affirmative action. I said, people don't like you. <laughs> but the reality is they liked him, but they didn't like the work that he was the doing called affirmative work. action. Mm -hmm. It had a bad name. And, and so I said, okay. I talked to some of the other folks, the president of the company and others, and they said, no, you're the right person. You should go support Mel. You should work with him um, to help us move the needle on this. And I did. And, and so as Mel and I worked together for a number of years, um, he became ill, unfortunately. But I said to him when he came back and he was well, I said, I want your job when you're ready to retire. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I said, I yeah. want your job. And he said, well, let's get you ready for that. Right. So he actually mentored me. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually he retired, and they promoted me to his role. That's great. And um, I became... Um, you know, the vice assistant vice president, then vice president of diversity, and then global chief diversity officer over the years. Wow. Wow. So I went from that administrative job in corporate legal uh -huh. 
to Global Chief Diversity Officer when I left uh, two years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how many total years at McDonald's? 41. 41 <laughs> 40, years. 41 years, and I never dreamed of being at McDonald's for 41 years. <laughs> but everything really worked in my favor, and I had such great support over the years, uh, particularly when I became the Global Chief Diversity Officer, and it made me feel really good about the work that I was doing because the work became personal for me, uh. and... It, I was passionate about it. I grew into the work, and I didn't know anything when, about it when I first took sure. the job. Well, you know, right in my hand, I have a magazine with your picture on the cover. Uh, it says Inclusion, Creating Globally an Inclusive and Culturally Competent Workplace. And there you are, McDonald's leading the charge on implementing inclusive practices. So obviously this became your passion. Absolutely. And really the result has been phenomenal because McDonald's has always become the best practice company in this regard mm -hmm. in diversity and inclusion, DNI, and you've been the leader of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that has driven you throughout your career. And now you're back in your home university Right. At Roosevelt University. Exactly. So how does it feel to be the first woman, first African-American, and the first uh, alum to be chair of the Board of Trustees of Roosevelt University? Well, let me say, it's it's been great. Mm -hmm. It's been a terrific experience. Um, it's been terrific. Uh, working with you and the st your staff and the faculty here. It's been great working with a, a terrific board of trustees. And because of that, it energizes me. And really, uh, it made me feel good. And I think I've learned a lot because when I walked into the position, I really didn't know. It kind of happened quickly. But it, it certainly energized me and wanted me to do more to make sure you know we were doing all the kinds of things that we needed to do as a board of trustees and, and working closely with the team at Roosevelt here. Yeah. And you know, I think working together, uh, I'm looking at the board and we are a more diverse and inclusive board of trustees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have that now and we will of course continue to do that work. So obviously you've been spearheading that effort and it pays off. Absolutely. for the university. One of the students, Alex. Okay. So Alex and I got together in my neighborhood in the West Loop, and he talked about, we talked about diversity. He wanted to better understand it. So when I go back and looking at all that I desire to happen at Roosevelt, Alex kind of, he puts it in place for me. He is the one because I think he wants to learn more about diversity. He's writing a paper on diversity and inclusion. And I felt so good because we connected. And now we have a relationship. We committed to continuing this relationship. So it's those kinds of things that happen at Roosevelt that energizes me. And so when I see young people like that taking an interest 
in wanting to understand diversity and inclusion more. And he asked me so many questions about my past and right. and what I did at McDonald's and, and his commitment, his real commitment to Roosevelt. Yeah. You should know that. See, if you mention that, and it really, I want to, uh, take this conversation in a slightly different direction because uh, every conversation I have with you, you mention one of your mentees. A young woman typically that you are mentoring who is either in high school or in college mm -hmm. or after college that you're helping to place, to interview, to do this and that. And in fact, you have uh, uh, let's say, volunteered my own daughter to meet yes. one of your mentees. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> to help yes. with that. Right. So exactly. talk to me about that passion that you have about mentoring. Mentoring, yeah, I believe, I strongly believe you cannot do this by yourself. I did mm. not get to become the global chief diversity officer for a company for McDonald's Corporation without someone mentoring me and helping me along the way. So I want to be able not just to give back, it's really a part of who I am. I believe in it. I believe in helping others as I was helped along the way. And I'll probably forever continue to do this <laughs> because I have so many uh, mentees out there that, that I'm helping here at Roosevelt and, and, and others. Uh, around the country that I still mentor. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's so important because you cannot do this alone. You cannot do it alone. And it, related to that, what is the uh, title of your book that you wrote regarding the so, so my book, None of Us is as Good as All of Us. There you go. I, I truly believe that. Therefore, we can't do it by ourselves. You can't do it by yourself. And, uh -huh. and this is a quote from our founder, McDonald's founder, Ray Kroc, mm -hmm. many, many, many moons ago. He said that. That was his quote, and, and um, I was allowed to use it as a title for my book, and it's something that I believe in, truly yeah. believe in. Right. And in that regard, you know, you were obviously the founder of McDonald's Global Women's Initiative mm -hmm. that led to Women Leadership Network across the globe. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I think our audience need to hear about how passionate you are about exactly what we're talking about. But this is results. This is not just talking about it. Exactly. So if you talk about that a little bit, that would be great. Sure. Um, so back in the late 70s. Mm -hmm. before I wasn't many, born there. Was I'm say, sorry. I'm not, I was <laughs> many of these the students weren't even thought of. But um, our founder, Ray Kroc, uh, Ray Kroc our founder... Mm -hmm was Ray Kroc. Fred Turner was his first employees who became the chairman of McDonald's. Okay. So this happened in a way that Fred Turner had two daughters and his daughters came home complaining about how they were treated at work. So Fred was bothered by that. He's the chairman of the board of this big company, McDonald's, and he was bothered by that. So he called a couple of women in at McDonald's and he said, I want to know if my women at McDonald's feel the same way as my daughter's? Mm -hmm. And the co answer was yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So all Fred said was fix it. Mm -hmm. So he allowed the women at McDonald's to come back to him with the proposal to fix this environment, how women felt uh, they were being treated. And as a result of that, it just started the, I think, 
I feel strongly started the entire diversity initiatives. Just his personal experience with his daughters and how his daughters felt, mm -hmm. and, and he got it. So he allowed me and other women within McDonald's to continue to um, take on this task of fixing it as he asked <laughs> us to do. And as a result of that, you know, we did a lot of things within McDonald's that made us number one in, in the area of diversity and inclusion. And I, I give thanks to Fred Turner for listening to his daughters right. and bringing it into our workforce and asking us to fix it. And so it, it continued over the years, and we had so many different strategies that helped the company grow and become number one in the area of diversity and inclusion. You're listening to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University. You know, the Women Leadership Network has won global awards yes. for effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, chances are tens of thousands of women are, partic are participating and have been participating. Absolutely, in absolutely. This network. The women over the years, you know, I traveled the globe mm -hmm. uh, to um, institute or start up Women Leadership's network globally and that was a big part of my job and the women in certain countries you know they weren't ready they weren't ready but you know we talked to them and as a, over time over time it became you know real in all of these countries who never thought that women would speak up or would participate right. and we had tremendous uh, support from our leadership and um, that's where it starts, just like with Fred Turner. It starts with the leadership, and the leadership around the globe supported our women's leadership network mm -hmm. globally. Wow. Well, you know, as you know, uh, about 65% of our students at Roosevelt are women. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we have to make sure, first, this is an inclusive environment. Correct. So just on the gender side, besides race and diversity and so forth. Um, and then we have to make sure we, that we have programs that gives everybody, including the women, the self-confidence mm -hmm. to continue and succeed. So, um, you know, from your perspective, what is the future for Roosevelt University? Are we going in the right direction? And what else should we be doing? I think that First of all, it starts at the top. You're mm -hmm. at the top, and it, you, you work are it, at the top. You work it down. <laughs> I report to you. <laughs> well, that's true, and and I think as long as leadership gets it, yeah. it starts at the top with leadership, and leadership support, and leadership's commitment, and holding others accountable for making diversity a reality, and and we often talk race and gender. But there are so many dimensions of diversity that we have to explore and understand. So to help Roosevelt grow, understanding all of the dimensions of diversity, to me, is, is critical. And so we will continue to do the kinds of things through our council to make sure that um, we, we are doing what we need to do here at Roosevelt because we have different needs and, and we'll never match all of the dimensions. We can't do everything, but I think we will continue to stretch um, to make it a reality here as well because we're doing all the things that we should be doing right now. Good. 
Not, you know, you and I have been uh, in front of the students where we have said, look, look at your, uh, to your left, look to your right. Mm -hmm. Everybody is diverse yeah. around you. Yeah. And yeah. you have to make sure that you take advantage of this environment, a mm -hmm. safe environment, mm -hmm. where you can have a dialogue to, uh, with your classmates and others who are different from you. Right, right. Okay? We are a very diverse environment and university, and that's been our legacy with social justice. With social justice, exactly. So having these conversations, I think, is important. I think we need to encourage our students to communicate more with each other, um, about their differences to better understand each other. I think the more we can do with that, the better it will be for all of our students. Mm -hmm. So I encourage more conversations, open, honest, and yeah. candid conversations about differences, beyond, even beyond race and gender. Right. And you know, one of the conversations that I recall, just an anecdote, is um, there was an African-American student whose mentor was a white family mm -hmm. okay, who probably hadn't had African-American friends, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And they lived in Nebraska. And, you know, through the years, because of this young woman, they got to know each other extremely well. And I was so gratified that, you know, two years later, uh, she told me that, yeah, I'm invited, and my family are invited to his home for Thanksgiving. Hmm. So they started to have a friendship, mm -hmm. and then uh, a year or so later, both families came to commencement when she was graduating. Yeah, and the it. attitude was, our student is graduating. And they right. were all sitting together, right. and it was okay. Yeah. You know, when we have those dialogues, when, when we, we the give dialogue. them the opportunity. Yes, yes, and the experiences. And I'm sure that they shared different experiences because they came probably came from different backgrounds. So let's talk about what that means. Right. And I, I just encourage our students, you know, to not be afraid to talk to each other about our backgrounds and about our experiences because that only helps us understand each other more. Right. And that's what we have to do. Yeah. You know, we can talk about diversity and inclusion with you for another three hours. <laughs> I know that. But let's go to one other passion that you have, which is tennis. Yes. Well, tell us about that. <laughs> tennis is my love. I uh, don't play as like I used to. I don't uh -huh. play at all, actually. But I used to play tennis, and okay. I love tennis. So I'm a, a tennis fanatic now. I try to make all the matches that I can. Um, Including and Wimbledon, Wimbledon and U.S. Open. U.S. And, Open, uh -huh. Australian Open. Uh -huh. All of them, I try to get to as many as I can. And I so enjoy tennis. To me, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just something that's part of who I am. And um, I enjoy seeing and watching tennis as much, almost as much as I did. I, I mean, when the tennis comes, I'm on, I'm on <laughs> TV, I'm watching TV, I'm always there. And the Williams sisters? The Williams sisters I adore. Um, <laughs> and I hope they keep playing. I don't know what the deal is today, but mm -hmm. I hope they continue to play. Mm -hmm. And um, I, just, I just love it. It's, it's just a game that I fell in love with. I didn't grow up playing tennis. I started playing tennis as an adult, but I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'll be headed to the U.S. Open 
for probably the twentieth year. <laughs> I never miss. So when are you going to take me with you? <laughs> <laughs> I never miss the open, but I just enjoy it. It's just a game that I enjoy, yeah. and um, and I try to help young people enjoy it now. So that's mm -hmm. part of my. Um, process now is to help young people understand tennis and enjoy it as okay. well. And besides that, what else do you do regarding young women in South Carolina when you're there in the summers? Some camps that I've heard, heard yeah, about and so forth? So, Tell me about it. <laughs> so we have an organization called TBS Learning and Tennis Center, uh -huh. named after my mom, Thelma Barnes Sowell. And uh, we bring youth together, 5th through 8th graders, every summer. This year we have about 47 kids coming together. And we have a week-long experience for them. Some of it is in classroom. We have speakers coming in to uh, talk to them. Um, we, we just do all kinds of great things. We have field trips, a couple of field trips uh, during the week. and But most most importantly is helping them understand that they can do things that they are not aware of. You know, there, it's a small town, so a lot of things they haven't been exposed to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's about giving them the exposure so that they know that they can do these things. You know, I can play tennis, you know, I can do whatever. And so we have a lot of motivational speakers coming in oh. to talk to them. Especially going to college. Yes, yes, and absolutely. Build that self-confidence. Right, exactly. We are preparing them for high school and then high school for college. And we actually have uh, college interns who come in and help us out. Mm -hmm. And we have high school students who have been in the program. They've graduated eighth grade. And they come back and act as mentors right. to the young kids yeah. in the fifth grade through eighth grade. Uh, Again, you're mentoring young women, you are building their self-confidence, and then continue the mentorship throughout college and then right. later on so right. that they are successful. Right. So uh, tell us a secret that nobody knows about you. <laughs> and we promise not to share it with oh, anyone. Jeez, what is that secret? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I kind of tell my story all the time. All yeah. my secrets okay. are out, and people pretty much know who I am. They know mm -hmm. I'm from this little small town that has less than a thousand people, and and I left at the age of 16 and returned to help them. You know, to really give back to the community, and and so most people know that about me. They know I'm the youngest of 11 children. And that's all relative youngest yeah. of 11. <laughs> most people know that. Um, uh -huh. And so I was the baby in the family. And most people know that I have a son, um, adult son. And then I have a wonderful granddaughter that I cherish every day. Yeah, she's amazing. And she is, uh, amazing. She is um, she's my star. And yeah. um, But very close to my family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My family means probably more than anything. Yeah. yeah. And what are the ambitions of your granddaughter now? Well, she, she's in graduate school. She's just finishing graduate. She yeah. finished graduate school actually at uh, in um, Savannah. Okay. And and now she's preparing for her PhD program. Another graduate school. Yes. Yes. yes okay. Yes. yes and so. she would like to be. Um. Oh boy. Let's see. What is she going to do? I think. <laughs> 
cinema studies. She's yes. in cinema studies. Right. So whatever that brings her to, I guess, uh-huh. her major is cinema studies. So uh-huh. she could end, I hope she ends up being a teacher, actually, because she is a very good teacher, and I think she would be excellent on campus teaching uh, young students um, because she gets very engaged in, in projects and, and, and stuff with young people. Yeah. She helps us out at the camp and tremendously a big help mm-hmm. to us there. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, yesterday, as we were talking about you hoping that she would be a teacher, uh, I'm so gratified that all of us are in the education business, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. calling, vocation. Right. So certainly right. more than a business. Right, right. And yesterday I was talking to a very, very successful uh, business leader who said, you know, I deal in real estate, I deal in health services, I deal with lots of different segments of the economy, but I'm always gratified when I deal with universities mm-hmm. because of the special things you all do. Right, right, okay? And exactly. there was a team sitting around the table and it felt really good yeah. to get that kind of affirmation because typically there is a, this bias out there, hey, these folks in the university, who knows what right. they do and right. so forth. But those of us who are inside Absolutely. And are doing the work. No, it's about the young people. Absolutely. And giving them the opportunity for their American dream. Absolutely. And that is what it's about, the American dream. And I think when I when I even when I look at my small group of forty seven kids and the transformation that I see right. within one week, um, we need good teachers. We need teachers to um, spread that love and, and, and understanding among our young people. And I think they want it, you know, they want it. We just have to, you know, push harder and, and help them out. And remove the barriers, we remove, remove the, barriers. the excuses. Exactly. Like, you know, I don't have the money to go to college, right. which we typically hear. Mm-hmm. Well, there are scholarships available, exactly. there are grants available. Exactly. Uh, if you have the will. Exactly. And and they're, they and I love the thought like young people like my granddaughter would think of teaching, you know, because mm-hmm. I think we need a lot of these young people right. teaching these young people. <laughs> and I like I'd like to think that that's one of the things that's on her mind. I know she loves uh, presenting, and I think we need more young people in in this space of education. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, as we come to sort of a conclusion of our discussion, uh, I want to remind you of one of the major mistakes that you have made. Okay. Okay? Because you chaired the search committee that hired me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm hoping one of these days you get it right. (laughs) No, I think we got it right. I got it right. We got it right. So we we appreciate everything that that you do for this university because... um, this is one of the greatest universities yeah, out is. there, and I forever it tell is. people that. And I think that as you continue with your team to do the kinds of things that you're doing, it'll just continue to be bigger and better. So I thank you <laughs> for all that you do, and I'm glad we picked you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you create so much work for me, Pat. <laughs> and then you go to your tennis tournament. Yes. <laughs> And here we are. No, I'm really grateful for you to spend the time with us and have this conversation and share Mm -hmm. your thoughts. And again, your success 
both on the board and at McDonald's and as an alum, mm -hmm. really makes us all proud. Well, thank you, Roosevelt thank you. University. But I, I have to give a shout out to the board of trustees. Yes. Because none of this would happen. It's, yeah. it's all of the board members, uh, the trustees coming together, you know, thinking about what's best for the university and how we can better support you and your team. And to me, that's our job. That's our job yeah. to, to kind of give you what you need. and, and and I have to say, uh, I have a, the board is tremendous, and just some great members, RU alums, and th those who are not RU alums, have been just tremendous yeah. support for me throughout the years. No, and that makes my job significantly easier when there's a supportive board that mm -hmm. focuses on the mission of the university. Absolutely. Helps all of us. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. All right. Appreciate it. And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening.